All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Mama to Mamas. I know I say this every time, but I am just so excited for this one. I'm so honored that this guest is here. Um, so I will set up how Brooke Wells and I, I can't not call you Brooke Wells. Like I writing this last night, I was like, I can't, she'll always be Brooke Wells to me. We have Brooke Wells for a very long time, so it's fair. So when I say Brooke and I were extremely close for a period of time in our lives, I really mean it. We sat approximately two feet away from each other every single day for over a year. We knew so much about each other during that chapter of life, including what we ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what we'd done the night before, what the latest was with B's relationship and my dating life, what our latest gum flavor obsession was for our pack-a-day habit, what our newest kombucha discovery was. Boy, were we obsessed with kombucha. Whenever we need a pick-me-up, the two of us hopeless romantics would walk downstairs to Shreve Co. to pick out the, the diamond rings we hoped would someday be on our fingers. And now here we are, all these years later, both happily married and both new mamas to baby boys born a little over three months apart. Brooke is a woman of many talents, including but not limited to ad sales, running, and winemaking, and she lives in Portland with her husband Pete and one-year-old baby Wells. Friend, thank you so much for having this heart to heart with me. Chi, I'm so happy to see you and to be here. <laughs> it was, I like I said, it was so, I was just really going down memory lane, like thinking of our old days in that like little sweat box of an office. <laughs> I can't believe the Shreve Co. I mean, I literally took 15,000 pictures of that ring that I was <laughs> promised was going to be mine. Yes. <laughs> okay. So. The first topic I want to start with is what I'm calling the invisible network you never knew you had, aka mom friends. And um, I want to start with a quote that uh, from an article from A Cup of Joe. I don't know if you've read this article. It's called The New Mom Welcome Packet. And this quote just really reminded me of the moment that you called me when I was like three weeks after having Maddox. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is something I never knew was part of being a new mom when like all these new moms or all these other moms show up for you. Mm -hmm. So it says it number it's number 10 on like the list of things in, in this welcome packet. And it says, this one is key. Basically every mom is your friend now, neighbors, old roommates, Insta Instagram only friends, they're there for you. You will be stunned by how many on the outskirts of your life will step up and offer support. We're the invisible network you never knew you had. Use us, text us, never hesitate to reach out with a complaint, a question, a photo, or a fear you're too scared to say aloud. No context necessary. No need to apologize or reciprocate. It may not fix the problem, but I guarantee you it will help. I and I, that. oh, it's such a good quote. And I like still kind of get chills reading it. So yeah, that just made me think of you. It made me think of the random Tuesday you called me after having a baby and we hadn't talked in like months, maybe yeah. years. Yeah. Maybe years. <laughs> and it just meant so much to me. And so I guess I want to start with, you know, for you and your experience postpartum, did moms come out of the woodworks? that you hadn't talked to and and what was the what was the experience of your mom connections after that yeah it's such a great question so uh peter and i moved up to portland only a year before getting pregnant and we moved one we moved to portland one week before covid started so literally no friends zero zero friends <laughs> um i was lucky enough to actually attend a wedding in 2020 
where at that wedding, I was connected to someone who lived in Portland and that woman connected me to another couple of women in Portland. I had had a couple of casual encounters with them, a couple of like nice girlfriend wine nights, but I was always sort of the like observer of this group of girlfriends and kind of coming in like the new girl saying, please be my friend. And then I had Wells and two of these women were moms and unbeknownst to me, they started a meal chain. They had for 30 days, someone brought over food for us every single 30? day. 30? 30 days. That's I amazing. I literally did not cook, do anything for 30 days. I ate probably 17 times I ate lasagna, I would say. But I was so happy. And honestly, they they even asked some of their friends I didn't know. They said, hey, there's this woman in Portland and she's has she's a new mom. Like we've started this meal chain. I know you don't know her, but like mm-hmm. we're willing to, to contribute to it. So mm-hmm. I was just honestly shocked. And, yeah. and then one of the things that was the most meaningful for me were those women reaching out and, and some of my, you know, um, my other friends with children who I, you know, always thought it was just easy, rosy, they did it and it was fine. And they would reach out and be like, all right, cool. You ready to hear the real, real, like, <laughs> like now you're ready. Now you get to know what's actually happening. Yes, yes, yes. Just their vulnerability and asking me the, the questions that I needed someone to ask me that I didn't know I had permission to talk about. So yeah. that was something that was so- like, what, what was an example of that? Um, if you can think of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess everyone's postpartum journey is, yeah. is different and there are, there are clinical definitions of what ex- a lot of women experience postpartum. And I'm not sure I ever experienced them clinically, but I had massive emotional shifts and yeah. fears. Like for me, a lot of anxiety came up postpartum and I didn't know if it was postpartum depression, but it was definitely anxiety. And mm-hmm you know, on day four of having my son, I was driving with Peter uh, to the park. We were going to try to aggressively take a walk in Forest Park. Like, I don't know what we're thinking, but we were going to go do this. And I was sitting in the backseat of the car and just like crying. And he, you know, looked in the rearview mirror and he was like, babe, are you okay? What's going on? And I started bawling and said, I just want our old life back. Mm -hmm. Like four days in. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the worst person in the world. I felt like a bad mom, a bad wife, a bad. Po- and then someone called me a couple of days later and I was telling them this, like, Oh, of course, like welcome to the rest of your life. You're constantly yeah. like questioning yourself, regretting everything. And yeah. I just felt this normal, this idea of like normalizing those feelings, normalizing yeah. your fears that you think, Oh my God, this is just me. Mm-hmm. I've made something, I've done something wrong or I'm doing something wrong. And like mm-hmm. feeling that normalized felt so comforting. Yes. Cause my mother never shared those thoughts with me. Like yeah. I, I never felt like I had a sister, you know, and even some of my best friends, I never got that until I had a baby. Myself. Yeah, totally. Cause probably like you had plenty of friends that were moms, but it's like, you don't get it on that level mm-hmm. until like you push your baby out and then totally. you're like, Oh, <laughs> this is what happens. Right. Just everything changes. I mean, it's like a shift beyond like the first primary level is obviously like your needs are not your own. Right. Mm-hmm. And then for a, your routine or your agenda massively shifts. What I didn't realize was like your relationship changes in a beautiful way. But now mm-hmm. this person is also a father and mm-hmm. that dynamic comes into play and mm-hmm. things come up for them and they learn things about themselves and it's, it's yes. never the same and it's beautiful, but it's never the same. And I think yeah. 
in that first week, I was just so afraid that the shift had taken place. That was so seismic that we could never like weave back what was once, but it it just grew and blossomed, you know, but it was, it was those like real conversations around this identity shift I was having that I felt scared about. And it felt like everyone else knew the secret that like, oh, of course. And I did, but um, that was really helpful. Yeah, it is true. I mean, you said so many good things in there. I would say I agree with you with like the partner thing too, is like you're, you're figuring out as a mom, like your new role, but then you're also like your relationship has to evolve. And then you're watching your partner figure out their new role and like stumble and succeed in the same way that you feel like you're doing as a mom. Totally. Yeah. Do you feel like you, and I I've recently thought about this is if anyone's having a baby, like, just like you did for me, I'm like, okay, I got to make sure like I reach out to them or like, I got like this quote says like, you don't need to respond. If you don't want to text me back, it's okay. You don't need to call me, but like, just know, like as an energy, I'm here supporting you from afar. I get excited. I'm like, oh, they get to do this now. And like, it's like so hardcore. They get to like have this gritty experience. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually at a team on a team now at work. And Mm -hmm. our primary function is to cover for women who are out on maternity leave. So, um, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like you backfill different roles? Exactly. So we are a team called ADAPT. Okay. We adapting. Um, we're a group of senior sellers that uh, come in and fill for any leave of absence. So whether that's, that's so cool, I didn't leave. know that. Yeah. And so now what I've done is like beyond here's your client list and here yeah. are your objectives. I send a care package that are like the three things that I, as a new mom, were like, could not live without nipple shield. Oh yeah. You know, like the, like mom's on call book. And I Uh said that to everyone. Uh And then I also like try to get them on the phone and ask them like, Hey, how Uh are you? You know? Uh And I think that how Amazon has chose to build that into a work function has been really special because Mm -hmm. I don't think it happens enough. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that. I love that you can take that into your like work life, like Mm -hmm. what you went through in your personal life and apply it there. We also have this master list. It's in the Google Excel spreadsheet. We should link uh-huh. it in the show notes. I can okay. Okay. Is the list of every essential thing you need for a baby three months and under. Really? So it, oh yeah. And it's organized by category. So it's like bathing, feeding, driving. And it's not like, it's like the must haves because yeah. you can put a billion things on your baby. You can, list. you can go crazy. You need these things, you mm-hmm. know, and it's iterated on from like 50 or 60 moms. Like yeah. we it's almost like Reddit voted up on all the things you need and then sure. all the links. So you can just yeah. click and buy, click and buy. So yeah, it's been really good. Um, okay. Also what you're talking about makes me think of, I was talking to an old friend last week and she said something to me like motherhood is the great unifier or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was, I it really got me thinking I really do see it as an equalizer now because you're, when you go through birth and becoming a mom and realize that like all these other women have gone through this same experience, it's like this invisible bond that I don't, it's just an equalizer. It's like almost like you can put all your differences aside. If you're both are moms, you have a connection. I think about it a lot and maybe you'll relate to this. Um, I think about it a lot, like those people that you went on those 6am runs with right? Yeah. It was like, you got up early, you struggled through it. At times you felt like shit. Most of the time you felt like shit, but they showed up for you and you showed up for them. And it was yeah. like that, those miles that were logged and like the toughness of it bonds you forever. 
And that's kind of the same as motherhood. Like you're going through this gnarly ass thing Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and it's challenging, but like, you know, that that person has also gone through that maybe simultaneously and maybe at a different time, but it's like that, it's that transformation that just bonds you forever. Totally. It's so true. It's so true. I love the uh, run analogy. Yeah. It's like those people that you, (laughs) that you see and they're there for you and they support you. Yeah. Okay. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, which I feel like you had such a beautiful post about this was pregnancy. Mm. And, oh, first of all, I remember when you were really early on in your pregnancy and I like posted some recipe pic and you're like, I need to make this. I'm so nauseous. Like, (laughs) and yes. And, and I remember same thing for me, like first trimester was so rough. Um, did it wear off for you by the way? Like it did. It did. It was it. And then it kind of came back at the end. It was weird. Mm -hmm. Um, I was primarily like, I only puked like twice, but Mm -hmm. it was like the car sickness. I felt like I was car sick for six or seven weeks. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yep. I just was like, yeah. Okay. But I found one of the things you wrote like so profound, which was, I think you said something about how pregnancy was like the first time that you like slowed down Mm. and you gave yourself compassion and you felt beautiful. And so tell me just a little bit about like the journey with you and your relationship to your body and being pregnant. Um, well, I got pregnant on my honeymoon unbeknownst to me. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it was really COVID. quick. <laughs> yeah. I thought I had COVID. We got back from our honeymoon and I was like, oh, I definitely have COVID. I feel like crap. I can't breathe. My heart, like, I feel like so tired. I'm like, I'm so tired. Why am I so tired? I think I have COVID. Yeah. And I take a pregnancy test and I was like, oh, <laughs> and this is actually really funny. So I went to Mexico when I was like three months pregnant. And I was not really showing a little bit, but I was wearing a bikini and I went from being a very, very small B to a very large C, small D. Uh And I remember that I received somewhere between 20 and 40 DMs on Instagram about how big my boobs were. And I was just like, I felt offended. I didn't know what the point was of commenting on my body. Totally hard for me. And I was like really upset about it. And I was telling Peter about it. And I was just like, I was, it was really hard for me to go through that initial transition. And then at some point, I think we also had like a lot of unknowns in the very early pregnancy. We Mm -hmm. were unsure if it was going to be a miscarriage there, the baby's heartbeat wasn't shown when it was supposed Mm -hmm. to be. And, And then around nine or 10 weeks when I was like, I got to see him and he was doing well. Like mm-hmm. I just was like this transformation of purpose of like, I have to keep this baby alive. Mm-hmm. And it is my job and it's my body's job to just be as gentle and warm and accepting and loving of this little baby because like he needs to come. And Peter and I very much felt like when we met, we were meant to make children together. That's mm-hmm. what we've always felt. And I just felt this, like, I got to get this guy here, you know? And yeah. I just, really taking care of myself. And I feel like my whole life, I've just pushed myself so hard when I was yeah. tired, I wouldn't rest when I, I was like disciplined and aggressive with my body to an extreme. And I, all of a sudden was just like doing all of the self-care things I should have been doing for the last 15, 20 years, like yeah. sleeping, napping, not working out hard, just walking and stretching and eating really well. Yes. And- soups and nourishing things. Like oh, I was gosh. just nourished 
little vessel, you know? Yeah. And with that, I just started to see like almost like a, a brightness in my eye or like a softness yeah. that I had never felt from myself. And yeah. it was just truly this, like, I, all of a sudden these voices that told me I had to push harder or do more, like yeah. kind of changed. And I just started to see a different side of who I was. And I knew what had always been within me. Yeah. I always feel like I've been very nurturing to others, but I had never nurtured myself. And I felt like that started to come out and was a really exciting and beautiful journey for me. And, and actually, you know, continued postpartum, I had, I really struggled coming back from um, having, giving birth, just some structural stuff from yeah. having hip surgeries. Yeah. And it took so much longer than yeah. I thought it was going to take to feel good again. And I honestly like went on a 30 minute run on my son's first birthday. My husband would tell me, you got to wait a year. You got to wait a year. And that just seemed ridiculous to me. I was like, there's just, that's insane. Like a yeah. year. No, literally MRIs and physical therapy and chiropractor. And literally on his first birthday, I ran for 30 minutes and I was like, I think I feel good. I think I feel good. <gasps> But yeah, I mean, it did take me a very long time and there was moments of frustration and moments where I wanted to just push past where I was mm -hmm. at, but like, I just kept getting humbled and mm -hmm. I kept just like, I kept telling my husband like, well, if I had a year, I'm just going to like go have surgery again or, you know, yeah. like, but sure enough there, there it was just when I finally gave up and like yeah. accepted is when it got better. Okay. Such a beautiful story, B, of the way that you described having this realization, like, I want to keep this tiny human alive. Like, mm -hmm. I can relate to that so much and how that switch, like, just made a total energy shift in your body and how you treated yeah. yourself. That is amazing. Yeah. I also feel when I had Wells, I, you know, I've, when I was a child, I had OCD. And again, I've had a lot of anxiety throughout my yeah. adult life. But when I had Wells, I was like, why have I spent so much time worrying about this bullshit? So much time worrying about uh -huh. myself. Mm -hmm. and I it was like, it just was like, it doesn't matter. It was like, yeah. um, it was just this instant, like, and I'm not saying that I'm now the, this Buddha of like peace yeah. and serenity, but yeah. you're, I'm overwhelmed more with thinking about him and how we make a life and a family and what we want to, him to mm -hmm. see. And it's like, yeah time I guess to like yeah. think about the other stuff yeah totally uh, and that was a, another very positive experience for me yeah totally you know I was thinking about this when I was wanting to ask you this question is I was so concerned about gaining weight mm -hmm. of course you're pregnant you gain however much your body's going to gain yeah. so I, I'm curious if you had this in your mind because for me I with the weight gain I was like I don't want to gain too much weight not because I was not thinking that my body could go back to normal I just in my mind like when I was little and growing up like I just was like I don't want to be one of those people who gains like yeah, 70 totally. pounds you know and you let yourself go when you have a baby and you're yeah yeah so totally. I was conscious of that and I feel like maybe I was like too conscious of it I don't honestly remember how much weight I gained in the end but I think my next pregnancy if I could do it over again like I felt like I really nourished myself like you were saying but like 
maybe in the back of my mind, I had like, okay, I don't want to gain too much weight. And I blame myself for Maddox being born at 5'10". And I don't know if there's any correlation, like the whole pregnancy, you know, my OB is like so healthy. So he looked great. It's measuring perfectly, blah, 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 blah. But he was, my biggest thing was how small he was when he was born. And so I'm just curious for you, like, was any of that, like with the weight in your mind? Because that for me was like, of going, looking back, like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let that go next pregnancy. Totally. I feel like I was expecting to gain a lot of weight. And I felt really lucky that it came on very slow. Like a lot of women gain a lot of weight in their first trimester and it's really hard and it's harder for them to stay active and feel good and to enjoy their pregnancy. And like, I think I gained weight steadily throughout my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were moments where I was like, I don't feel like I'm gaining enough weight. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't because I was being hardcore. It wasn't, but it was just because I did have a very active pregnancy. My husband and I walked a lot and I actually kind of, for the first time in my life was like, I think I need to gain more weight. I was very concerned about having a small baby. I, any of you want to go look up my son on Instagram? He is not a small baby. (laughs) 100th percentile. Thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it was something for me where I was like actively trying to put more weight on. And that Mm -hmm. was, very different for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a shift. And But I would say it's like, you have to learn to trust your body. And yes. I think even postpartum, the, oh my God. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the biggest realization of that, right? It will do what it is intended to do. It will function the way it is supposed to. And I think maybe to your point, what you were saying about trusting or like not worrying about that. Yeah. I think in my next pregnancy, I'll be like, if this, if I'm treating myself really well and this is how it is, I'm good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like not worrying about it or just, and just really trusting in the body yeah. and yeah. it will do what it needs to do. Yeah. And yet at the same time, every pregnancy is so different. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it's so true. Yeah. Okay. You kind of touched on this at the beginning when you're sitting in the back seat four days in <laughs> morning, morning, your old life. <laughs> and it made me think of motherhood is kind of, I feel like I'm nostalgic a lot. Like mm-hmm. I'm so happy to be where I'm at. I'm so happy to have Maddox and to be a mom, but oftentimes I find myself very nostalgic for the past. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like motherhood, one of the many, many, many lessons you learn in motherhood is like really appreciating this season of life that you're in. So, you know, aside from you know your backseat moment, cause I do remember when you called me, you told me that same story. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think, like, if you could pinpoint something, what was the hardest adjustment for you? That's a really good question. I think it was, I think the hardest adjustment has been, it's very interesting. When I was in my 20s, I was very routine. I literally could probably have done the exact same thing every single day. And then when I met my husband, I actually became very dynamic. I feel like I had a, I did a lot of different things. I traveled Mm -hmm. a lot. I Mm -hmm. did not have as much of a routine, which was really positive for me. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest shift was like going back into like literally every three hours, Mm. exact same function and like ending a day and feeling like I did a lot, but I did nothing. Mm. And I 
feel like and sometimes we even now we like make a joke out of it we like we sing the same song and every night when we're like but you didn't sing the song yet because like yeah. that's what at 6 35 when we are transitioning <laughs> from the bath to the changing table it's like so it's like we call it like we call it the um it's like the mad dash or whatever it's like uh-huh. from 6 to 7 p.m it's like yeah you do this, I do this, then we walk the dog, then we do this. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the Groundhog Day. It's just like, it's we're in the vortex of the plan and what we do. And it's, it almost feels uncomfortable. Like to your point about like bringing someone in, like mm-hmm. we have a date night. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, look at my watch. I'm like, what do I do now? It's 630. I'm supposed to be wiping your butt and yeah. then sleep. And then we get the passy and then we do the light and then we do the book. And it's, so that for me was this transition. And I wouldn't say I was like resentful of it. I just didn't feel like myself. I just felt like I had left behind myself. And like my husband and I used to sit on the couch and have a glass of wine and talk for like two hours at yeah. night. And now it's like, I'm going to bed. I'm out, you know, yeah. like, so that yeah. was a big shift and just learning how to bring that back in. Mm-hmm. And, um, now that Wells is one, and as I say this, he will probably wake up and derail everything, but I do feel like we've like, we have time again. We have, yeah. we have time for ourselves and for each other. And whereas it just felt so encompass, like all encompassing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was probably yeah. what I feel the most nostalgic for was just the diversity of life that we have. I mean, my husband's traveling right now. I'm going to have to travel for work. And it's like the other person's life shuts down when that happens. Right. Oh, like totally. previously we would be like, okay, I'm having girls night. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. And now it's I'm in full on mom and mm-hmm. or vice versa. When I travel with you yeah. feel chained and that, but that's like the phase of life we both wanted and it's just mm-hmm. an adjustment. So mm-hmm. I feel like a common theme that has come out of mama to mamas is that it becomes less, and this may be really obvious, but it wasn't to me until I learned it, which is it becomes less all encompassing the older that they get, like they become like more self-sufficient. And so you start to get that time back for, you know, I took a bath the other day. Like, I don't think I would have done that in within the first three months of, except unless it was like a sits bath and I was like healing, you know what I mean? But like, it seems to be a theme, like the more kind of like they grow up, you can start to get your life back a little bit. But I think same to your answer is that it is very all encompassing. You really don't have time to fit in much. <laughs> I honestly also don't like, I don't have mental space. That's yeah. what I also miss. I, I feel like I haven't been creative or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. had any time to think about anything besides like the next day, the next hour, the next, you know, and, and thinking about him and planning how we just literally get through the day. Yes, totally. That's been a big shift too. Um, okay, something we haven't talked about on Mama to Mamas is is a doula. Oh, okay. Yeah, and okay. I really want to talk to you about having a doula because I think you touched on your postpartum anxiety. You know, you know me well. I had had and still have a lot of postpartum anxiety and a lot of OCD tendencies, which my husband will lovingly tell you, tell you are not going away yet. Um, <laughs> very controlling with those ounces and <laughs> that routine. So I think if I could do it all over again to kind of help with what I've experienced in in postpartum anxiety, I'd want to look into having a doula. So, you know, you mentioned you had one. Tell me just about your experience with it. How did you find her? Mm -hmm. Give us all the advice. 
Um, well, I had two different doulas. I had okay. a birth doula okay. who was with me during the birth. And my intention with my birth was not a plan. It was an intention to stay at home as long as I could and then go to the hospital and have a hospital birth. I never yep. wanted to have an at-home birth, but I didn't want to go to the hospital and be there for 24 hours. So mm-hmm. I had a woman who I worked with who was absolutely amazing. And she walked me through what that journey might look like and how to meditate and stay kind of in my zone until we signaled that I would have enough time to go to the hospital and have an epidural if I chose to. Mm-hmm. And I did choose to. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, me, I didn't, if you had a natural birth, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, no, I did not. <laughs> um, everyone gets to make their choice and I will always choose the epidural. Yes. yes. Um, but I, and she was with me through that whole time and she was we had, we actually ended up seeing a midwife. I had my son peak COVID. And so there were actually no doctors that I was actually had ever seen. And it was only a midwife. And she was very liberal and allowed me to do different positions and things, mm-hmm. even though I did have an epidural. So I had my doula for that, which was incredible. And then did I you had, work with her a lot before? Did you have, I mean, this is very tactical, but like, did you oh, meet yeah. with her a bunch? Like how did it no, work? Great question. We actually went through a process of interviewing right. women and then my husband met with them too. We really okay. wanted this to feel like the right person for oh, us. Oh yeah. Because it's, be like, you're in it together. Yeah. Totally. And she came over two or three times before and we went through like, what do we want this to look like? What are the things, you know, what are you afraid of Peter? What are you afraid of Brooke? What do you mm-hmm. need? Like mm-hmm. what kind of style can I help coach Peter to help coach you? You know, mm-hmm. like we did a lot of that. And then she also gave me so much amazing advice around, seeing a, I saw a pelvic floor specialist before I gave Ah. birth and I did like series of exercises and stretches. And I had a very uncomfortable third trimester. My had my SI joint was out. And like the second that doctor said, this baby is cooked at 37 weeks, I was on a tear to get him out. (laughs) So did you do all the tricks? Dude. Did you curb walk? (laughs) Did I what? Did you curb walk? I did not curb walk. I, the day he was born, I basically forced my I forced Peter to have sex with me. I stimulated my nipples. I ate spicy food. I went on a five mile hike. I got acupuncture. I mean, I was I was I did everything that day, and he came that um, day. He came that day. He came at thirty seven weeks. Thirty eight weeks, two days. 30. Okay, so. I was thirty eight weeks in one day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And my water broke in the middle of the night and it was crazy, but yeah. And so then she helped me really learn a lot about things I could do to have a better birth experience. But then we only got her literally like for two hour session after he was born. She's primarily just for birth. Then I had a postpartum doula who I met and my client told me that his wife had come from living in corporate America and not feeling fulfilled. And she was had trained at one point to be a birthing doula, but had decided that wasn't for her, but she had become what's called a postpartum doula. So I met her through my, my client. Um, she came over but right before Wells was born. And then we talked about, you know, things that I might need postpartum, which like, I was like, I think I'll be good. But then like, was what's like, an example? Like you're going to need pads. Like you're going to need. Yeah. Like- I mean, literally she came over. She was the first person to visit us after yeah. my parents didn't come yet. Okay. Um, okay. It was everything from 
nursery or bassinet setup or yeah. the logistics of that to then going through breastfeeding, pumping. Are you going to pump? Are you going to always breastfeed? And then it was also understanding she would we walk through our entire home and helped me optimize spatially, like where this would actually. These are the little there. details that no one tells totally. you. Um, Except a postpartum doula, apparently. Yeah. I mean, even, even to like when, when we wanted to transition him out of our room, our bedroom, mm -hmm. but not into his own nursery, it was like, mm -hmm. well, maybe we could put him in this little landing and we could set up a changing table here. And it was a game changer. So she did that with us. And then she did, we had her scheduled to do two nights mm -hmm. a week coming over at nine o'clock at night and leaving at six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so Essentially, she would come over, literally send us to bed, force us to go to sleep, and she would feed Wells or bring him to me, but I chose to pump and then have her feed change and put him back down. Yep. And so she would come up with my pump twice a night, basically every four hours, and she would clean all the parts and just literally let me lay there and then come back in 15 minutes later. And so even though I was having to wake up, I felt like on those nights, I got these like chunks of deep sleep yeah. and they were literally reviving me. I mean, and so we were doing that two nights a week. And then at seven weeks, Wells got a fever and I lost my mind. I, the first was time your baby is sick is the yeah. worst. Yeah. I, it wasn't a very high fever, but he had a consistent fever of like a hundred. And for newborns, it's like anything over a hundred, you need to mm -hmm. come in, you know, and you can't give him anything. So I started taking his temperature rectally every 15 minutes. Like I turned into that person and to the point where Peter was like, we're going to the doctor so that you stop because yeah. this is crazy. So we went to the doctor and the doctor looked at us and said to Peter, your baby's fine. Your wife needs more sleep. <laughs> And so then we got her three nights a week um, uh -huh. and we set that up because it was like, I'm sure many people have shared this with you, but like, if you're ever going to spend money in your life, spend, go all in on the three months after you have a baby, like it's worth so it. It's so worth it. And so we had her an extra night. Oh, originally we thought we were going to do two nights. And then on Friday between three and five, we would have a date and yeah, that quickly changed. We like, we're like, I don't care. I just want to see ambitious. Yeah. So when we had her three nights a week and then well started sleeping through the night at 12 weeks. That's so right. she actually said to us, like, I don't feel comfortable being in your home because your baby's sleeping the entire time I'm there. So yeah. she like had to rip herself away from <laughs> me. And yet now we still talk on the phone once a week. We're like, she shared with me her postpartum depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and struggles with her family and her husband. And mm -hmm. it was so raw and real and made me feel so accepted and loved yeah. and nurtured that like, she's yeah. just become a resource. And until, you know, all the first things Wells did that I didn't know about, I would text her and she mm -hmm. would immediately respond and not say, do this, but say, here's some things you might want to look at. And she just became like my doctor Google I don't know a ton now you've illuminated for me. I think that makes so much sense. I don't feel like working, maybe I'm in the dark, but it doesn't feel like working with a doula. It's like clearly not the norm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it seems yeah. like it's not the norm, but exactly what you described is something that 
especially first-time moms. <laughs> it is such, because there's these little details that you have no, absolutely no idea about, right. whether like your example of where to put him and like you can do courses and you can follow people yeah. on Instagram and you can do all the Googling, but just that physical presence of someone to like hold the space for you to like figure this out and go yeah. through it with and really trust them. It just sounds like such a gift. So I also feel like that extends into your child's life. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of self-reflection about judgment I had on other women who had mm -hmm. a lot of help with their children. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you still have a nanny and they go to school and, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm in a book club of women. Um, and we were all going around, I think maybe four or five months ago and we we're like, how's everyone doing? Da, da, da. And one of the women was like, I am thriving. And we we're like, what's your secret? You know? And she goes, I have two nannies and I have a house helper in the evenings on the weekends. And yeah. I was like, Pfft. and she just said that, you know, they hurt, she and her husband work full time and they have two children. And it's now they actually feel like when they are with their kids, when they are physically with their kids, they get to fully be with them. They don't, yeah. they aren't packing lunches and every family yeah. is different. And I, yeah. I, I actually do like a lot of that, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, we have the most amazing nanny that's with us 40 hours a week. And mm -hmm. we've now been said like, do you want to come for four hours on Saturday? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so because it's, it's just, mm -hmm. I, I think everyone should lean into what they feel works for their family. Yes. And I have felt so much support, comfort, love, and just my son loves these people. Like mm -hmm. we have three people raising him mm -hmm. and it's awesome. And mm -hmm. um, I just think everyone should really lean into what works for them and that they, and, and that they're fortunate enough to be able to, to have. Yeah. And maybe to like, let go of expectations around it that you once put on yourself, yeah. right? Everyone is different. And mm -hmm. everyone's parenting style is different. And like, I guess I've like had no judgment now. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. You mentioned before about your healing journey and not going mm -hmm. on a run for a year and doing a lot of rehab and MRI and recovery. I obviously know, knowing you well, have just your journey with your hip and yeah. I'll never forget the knowing what an SI joint was <laughs> from you or your psoas. You taught me yeah. what a psoas was. <laughs> so where are you now yeah. and how have you recovered over the past year? Um, it has been, did you ever go to Dr. Rabbits? No, I just heard you talk about okay. him all the time. Well, yes. This is like the asterisk in the show notes linked Taylor Rabbits chiropractor in San Francisco <laughs> for any of you listeners out there. I uh, love it. We're going to include this discount code, but he will fix your body. Um, so I remember there was this poster in his office that was like, the healing journey is not linear, you know, and it was like up into the right, but it would like go like this. And I was like, this garbage fix me now. I want to be better tomorrow. But uh, I do feel like I've experienced a lot of that. It has been a lot of like up and then down. And I think um, where I'm at now is like, I actually feel like I've never been as strong as I am physically because mm -hmm. I was brought to my knees so many times and mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was just run. That's what mm -hmm. I like to do. And like, I finally accepted that the only way out of this was through strength training getting stronger was my only way through it. 
So I did start actually working with uh, someone to help me regain mm-hmm. not only strength, but like biomechanical awareness of mm-hmm. these major deficiencies that had were able to hide for years until mm-hmm. my structure got rocked and I had to put it back together. So um, that's where I'm at now. And I also have a 28 pound baby. So like mama is gunned, you know, he's got you are lifting him. Yeah. I am like, look at these back muscles. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, I feel good. It's been a big transition for me that like athletically, I don't race or compete. So it, I'm always kind of like, what do I, what am I doing? You know, but I've also like tapped into learning a lot of new things and just experimenting and being more playful with it than I ever mm-hmm. have before. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, how, how do you feel about your body going through it again, pregnancy and all of it from your healing? It sounds like you're really like you've, you've tapped in, you've learned a lot. Obviously you've yeah. been through it once. Like I think oftentimes about my body changing again for, yeah. if I have a second for you, what are you, how are you feeling about it? So the very first day that went on with my husband, he told me he wanted four children. Four? Peter. And I was like, well, um, not out of this body. You're not getting four out of me. But then I also told him in terms of what I wanted with children is I'm either having zero or two because I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to do this again to anyone mm-hmm. else. So yeah. I definitely am hoping to be so fortunate to do it again. We're going to start that process soon. And I wish I had almost started like two months ago because it's like, just stay in the pain cave, just like stay in the cave until you are done with it. And then you get out of the cave. But I feel like I've just come out of the cave Uh, and I'm feeling in my body. I'm feeling uh, myself. I'm feeling good. Like, uh, and I feel like I'm going to go back into the cave. And yet I actually really enjoyed parts of being pregnant. I really enjoyed the second trimester. I was just like feeling like it was so yummy. And I don't know. The second trimester is that you like your light, your light switches on again after your first trimester nausea, you get your groove back. Yeah. (laughs) It's just great. It's great. And then the third, I was like done. I was just like, this is just like March, the end. But then, you know, the postpartum journey, I will do very differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone says six weeks, go to the doctor, get checked. You're good to go. Like I'm giving myself at least 10, if not 12 Mm -hmm. um, of fully recovering and like fully, that doesn't mean sitting at home and doing nothing, but Mm -hmm. like nothing until I can like pass all these strength tests that Mm -hmm. I did put myself through, you know, like if you can't balance on one foot you can't Uh run you know if you can't if you feel like I just felt for months that like every time I ran like I felt like I was holding my body together with my inner thighs like I felt Mm. like I was racing my own pelvis and it was just not good yeah yeah (laughs) so I will do I will be very different in that approach and yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm going to, and I, oh, I also said this, I said, I, I forced my friends and my husband, like I will stop doing cardio way sooner in my pregnancy and do okay. more bodies and strength and just like yep. all the strength thing I can do to, yeah. you know, yeah. um, to feel ready to then go through that recovery journey. I don't feel like I did enough of that. Yeah. So, so funny. Now that you mentioned that, I remember I would a silent challenge to myself that I probably didn't tell anyone, but my clearly me was 
I want to get to a milestone. Like I remember being like, but I want to be able to say that I ran right. till I, I was, was 27 20. weeks pregnant yep. or something. And yep. I'm like, why did I, why, like, who cares? Like, right. why did I totally. even say that? Yeah. I was the same. She, I was like, I'm going to run on my due date. I'm going to, yeah. you know, and then at 28 weeks, my body was like done. Yeah. Like, there was no yeah. choice. It was just, and like some people that happens at 14, 15, like it's just so different. And I think that would be another thing is just like, Oh, one of my girlfriends told me that like the first time you feel shitty in your pregnancy, that doesn't mean it's the end for you. And I thought that was really good advice because sometimes, you know, you go through that first trimester and you're like, I guess, I guess this is it for me. But like, you will also have these fluctuations within your pregnancy. Sometimes like people will feel like horrible at 28 weeks and then at 31 weeks, they can go for a jog again or they can go, you know, so it's like, don't count yourself out unless there's like a real medical problem. And like, Mm -hmm. in my case there was. So Mm -hmm. anyway, and just like actually listen to your body. It's like a novel concept, you know, this is a a theme coming out this episode, (laughs) trusting that your body is going to take care of everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Two more things. And then we're getting to our final three questions and Pat laughed every episode. I always, I'm like, okay, you know, this is who I'm talking to this week. And like this one, I'm going to ask them. And he's like, you're going to breastfeeding's on your list again. (laughs) Okay. It It is. It is in fact on my list. (laughs) So I do remember you telling me, cause you, cause I was like, be this breastfeeding thing when you called me and they're like, oh, girl, I know. And you told me the story of your pump, that you putting on your pump mm-hmm. on full speed mm-hmm. in the hospital day one. Yeah. Um, I was not producing or like, I wasn't making enough colostrum and they told me that it would be helpful to pump. So I took the hospital grade pump, which we all know is like way better than the bullshit spectra, whatever is that we get sent home with. And I put it on and I sent it, sent, set it to level 10 and I pumped for 45 minutes at level 10 on like the first time I'd ever used a pump in my life. So when I took it off, as I pulled the fixture, whatever it's called, the flange, the flange, uh, off all the skin came off my, both of my nipples, <gasps> like it peeled off into the thing. And I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't know what to do. And so anyway, they immediately put me on nipple guards, which my son actually so sad. I was looking at pictures of him the other day. He had like a latex reaction to them. So when he would breastfeed, he had this like red mouth circle for like three weeks. Yeah. But we were on that. I mean, I then basically was pumping. I, I pumped too much. I overproduced. I got mastitis. I would would overproduce in one side more than the other. And then it took weeks to get in our flow. My sister-in-law, who is a pediatric nurse, said, Mm. just tell yourself, try to get to six weeks. And Mm. that is not everyone's journey. And Mm -hmm. that is best. But like, for me, like, I I felt challenged by that. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, six weeks, you know, yeah. and it was like, not until about four and a half where I like felt like I, I would cry. I would be trying to put the nipple shield on and he would be like inhaling this like plastic thing in his mouth and it would latch and it, yeah. um, and then we had that nipple shield on until he was like six months old. I yeah. mean, lived in, I had 50 of them. They were oh, everywhere. Yeah. They were in every corner of my life, my bags. Um, yeah. 
And he just like really loved that thing, which actually, actually I think also made him pretty easy on the bottle transition because it was very yes. similar feel for him. So I felt lucky in that sense that my husband would do the night feed with a bottle and he yeah. was not fussy with that, but yeah. it was really, really hard. And the transition out of breastfeeding was hard for me. So yeah. we breastfed until 10 months okay. and I just was, I was a producing producer, like yeah. girls were not ready to stop, yeah. but I was ready and Wells was ready, which is interesting because it was like, he was like struggling to stay interested in breastfeeding. And I was starting to travel for work. And like, yeah. I, I actually videotaped the last time that we fed together. Cause I yeah. had this existential sadness that we will never do this again together in this. Yes. Place, that know? is, yes, that is, I feel that. Yes. Yeah. So I videotaped it. it. And <laughs> I, I was like, buddy, this is us, you know, like, I love you. And I, I feel so close to you when we do this. And like, it's so sad, like in my, in this human life with you, we will never do this again, you know? Yeah. And then I went on a work trip and I was like, cold turkey, fuck it. Let's go. You know, yeah. not a great idea. Right. Um, Cause you have to wean off. Well, like, yeah. So I was like taking the teas and I, and, but so then I, I had gotten to the point where I was only breastfeeding twice a day. So I, my mom bless her soul, had a baby 37 years ago. She was like, it's only three days of discomfort and like just a little bit of hand expressing. And I swear she blacked out. She doesn't remember anything. I was like, so engorged. I then had to go through a process where I would like every day, 30 seconds less or a minute less of breastfeeding on both sides. And like, yeah. then I was actually just like saving that milk and feeding it to him mm-hmm. you know, in a bottle. Um, but yeah, it took me about two weeks and I was doing a lot of like lactation tea to not produce and I was like doing all the things like sage-ish tea and yep and I actually then like killed myself taking Sudafed because I heard if you take Sudafed for three days it will I dry heard that too I, but then I was like a meth head and I was like so oh, ephedra yeah. out of my mind and I was mm-hmm. just like all the time and anyway yeah. that didn't really work that much for me so yeah I would go with like trust your body and like <laughs> here we are getting back to that yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. okay. How did you know? Cause I feel like I'm going through this with Maddox. Yeah. How did you know that your baby was like ready to move on? Um, I did have a moment around nine months where I thought we were ready and just meaning like he was starting, he was very into solids. Like I didn't feel like he needed that nourishment from just from me. Um, would he like act distracted or like, was, was it, like was, a star heart fake focus? Yeah constantly pulling off yeah and I was like I was getting annoyed like I was annoyed I felt like he was hungry but like just looking across the room looking across the room and like he just would then sit up and be like I want to go do something else you know and I was like I'm just like dude you're done and 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 then you know everyone I talked to was like yeah the pulling off the like distraction it's like it, it, he's going, it was more of like, he's going to be totally fine if you do this. And so then I was like, are you ready to do it? And Mm -hmm. at nine months I was like, I'm ready. And then I literally just like was craving that time with him. Like it was like so special to me. And we've always had it where I have him in the mornings, usually, and Peter will have him at night. And like, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to hold him and like Mm -hmm. nurse him. And and Mm -hmm. then I was like, okay. Mm -hmm let's try again. And I was like, open to it not being the last time, but mm-hmm. I was yeah. done and he was done. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just kind of like feel into it and yeah. like look at him and like you look at yourself and yeah. like it's okay if you're not ready and it's right. But I have a feeling they're ready before we are. And I, I, I know so. some children really, really like like it. Want to nurse for a while. Yeah. Literally, Wells has never grabbed me, never tried. Like he's done. He was done. So I think Maddox just is probably annoyed with me from like <laughs> force feeding him for yeah. so long. Like, because I when he was so tiny at the beginning, like I was just so desperate for him to gain weight that he was probably just yeah. like, I am over you, mom. Yeah. I also had this thought the other day because I still pump I and mean, we breastfeed one, two times a day. Yeah. And I pump while sitting on my desk at work. I mean, yeah. I like tilt my camera so just my chin is showing. I've been there, girl. The sweater where it's yeah, like going on sweat. underneath and yeah, you're on exactly. Zoom. Yeah. And I had this thought though. I was like, look, if I can do one thing right now that I can feel good about myself, it's just like, let just keep providing milk, you know, like, even if it's like nursing, isn't going according to plan and like pumping. Yes, it does get annoying. I'm like, I don't know if that's a sad thought or what, but I'm just in my head. I was like, you know, if this is one thing I can keep doing that it feels like rewarding for me and like, it's beneficial for him. Like I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of benefits. There are a lot of benefits, but then, you know, and if you, and if you are lucky enough to be able to provide that, then that's awesome. Yeah. I also was in a situation physically with my body where I had like hyper laxity of my joints, because as you Mm. can breastfeed, your body is producing relaxin in small amounts. And my chiropractor was like, you're not going to feel well until you stop breastfeeding because you need your joints to get tight again, basically. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was so loose and like all yeah. my ligaments were stretching. And so I did, I felt like four or five weeks after I stopped breastfeeding, I felt like structurally my body mm-hmm. was coming back together. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really nice. That's um, so interesting. Yeah. B, what's your favorite favorite part of motherhood thus far? Oh my god, seeing my son smile. Oh, him like I knowing actually, I'm sorry, knowing that I can see in his face mm-hmm. and sleeps that he feels loved and safe. Yeah, because that was something that I, my husband and I were very intentional about. Like we wanted to create an environment where like our children felt so unconditionally loved and they Mm -hmm. felt they could do whatever they wanted and we will support them and that they felt really safe. Yeah. And we have this sign in our house that says peaceful living. And like when Wells sleeps at night, he sleeps like this. (gasps) And it just like, he just looks like he is so (laughs) so cute. Is he a Mac or tummy sleeper like that? He, well, let me check the nanny. Look at the nanny. He's a side sleeper at times as well. But, um, yeah, it's usually when he's on his back. Yeah, that's so cute. Oh, I love that. I love that little description, watching him, like, be a little piece. Like, I look angel. at this picture, and I'm like, he is such a happy baby, you so, know? Yes, there's, you're right. There is something about a mom. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, I just like feeling that he gets to look at the world, and he's, I want to, like, preserve that way. I want him to feel... Mm-hmm like loved and joyful yeah oh, I love that okay we'll end on our final three questions okay. what is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked about 
that you learned was part of being a mom? No one told me that literally 20 minutes can feel like 17 hours of like, I don't think we can play these block, play with these blocks for another, I'm like, okay, we've been playing with these blocks for a long time. And I'm like, it's been three and a half minutes. <laughs> we have a song in the morning and it, it goes, nanny will be here in four minutes. <laughs> and we count down every morning. And then the second I'm not with him, I will look at pictures of him uh, uh-huh. in bed. My friend Caroline sent me this thing or before she had her daughter and I had not had Wells yet. And she said, the thing that I would not, ex- did not know I would experience is the duality of motherhood. I can love you so much and be, want to be with you all the time. And yet I also want to be apart from you. Mm. I, you know, like, yes, I am. I'm so exhausted and I feel like I can't do anything else. And yet I have this new energy for life. I never had, or I super miss my old life and I want to go out and go drink wine with my girlfriends. And yet being in my pajamas on the couch with you is the only thing I also want to do. And so I guess I never knew that I would feel so torn in that way of like, I want to be here. And like, I can't, I don't want to let you go. I want to just like, look at every part of your little body and face. And yet, yeah. Oh my God, when do you go to sleep at night? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yes. That's really true. Um, Duality. So that's, that's yeah. It's so true. Okay. Take yourself back to the early days of having Wells. Mm. If you could give yourself one piece of advice to that first time mom version of you, what would it be? Honestly, to sleep more. I was definitely like everyone sleep when the baby sleeps and like I don't know if that's a thing it wasn't for me at all but I also like I was trying to get things done I took him apple picking when he was two weeks old I wanted to just do all the things I guess I wanted to do everything right at once yeah just literally like there's cultures that don't allow you to leave the house for like six weeks after you have a baby. And there's yeah, a reason for that. Like for sure. Um, to just maybe to rest more, mm-hmm. uh, because it really, really, really helped my mental health when I rested. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. B. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? Mm heart explosion. Mm. Yeah. Just pure love, pure, um, pure love for yourself, for your child, for your husband, for your community, for everything that makes it possible. And Mm. it's so pure, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with babies, you know? Yes. They are absorbing everything you do. They're absorbing every amount of love you give them, attention you give them. And it's just really pure to me. Yeah. Do you ever look at him and think, I do this every day. I think, I cannot believe I created you. I cannot believe you came out of my body, that you lived inside of me. I (laughs) I still think that. We (laughs) say, look at our son. And then Peter said something to me that I love. And he's like, he found us. Oh, yeah. It's a very spiritual way to look at it. I feel that is so true. Like Mm -hmm. he is this just little person and I'm like, Mm -hmm. where did you come from? Thank Mm -hmm. you for finding us. You know, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being 
I guess I don't know. He's 50,000 times better than I ever imagined him being. And he just is this lone little being that yeah. us. And Aww. yeah. When I was trying to get pregnant and it wasn't happening at first, I started seeking out all these spiritual resources. And I read this book called Spirit Baby by Walter Mm -hmm. McKitchen. And he's like an intuitive medium type person. And that's basically spirit babies are like babies on the other side who choose to come into a physical form by like Mm -hmm. choosing their parents. And I really, I really do believe in that. So but yeah, and what you said kind of reminded me of like that philosophy of Wells choosing you guys. And I, I oh, totally, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why'd you choose us? <laughs> like, thank you. I love yeah. you. you know, yeah. And yeah, I really like, that's my favorite part. Oh, well, B, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and chat with me. I just, I honestly think about all the time how you called me in that very vulnerable state I was in and it really made such a big impact on me and such a difference in my experience so really thank you for doing that and thank you I'm so honored to speak with you and your community of mamas all right friends thanks for tuning in to another episode of mama to mamas and we'll see you very soon bye guys